Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I finished my master's degree with an oral examination on Unitarian Universalist history. Oral exams, while terrifying, are very practical. As is often the case in life, you have a general idea of what might be asked of you, but you don't know for certain until the time comes to respond. My professor provided us with a list of possible exam questions and a rubric explaining how to achieve the coveted A grade. Being a bona fide nerd, I was nervous about the exam, but mostly excited. I read over my notes, zeroed in on key historical events and figures, met with a study group, and generally did all of the things that an overzealous, competitive student might be expected to do before her final academic challenge. I marked the exam questions for which I thought I had the cleverest answers, and the questions I felt I had the least compelling responses. Guess which questions my professor asked. Despite my fears, when asked the questions I had dreaded, I did not panic. I realized I did have answers, and they were thoughtful, sincere, and drawn from my passionate interest in the subject matter. Somehow the oral exam worked for me. I not only learned the material I wanted to share it with my professor and my friends and anyone I could convince to sit long enough to listen to the stories from Unitarian and Universalist history that captivated me. In this back-to-school season, when I am not going back to school, I've been reflecting on the privilege of my education and the privilege of having an education system that worked for me. I come from a long line of Unitarians who valued education as one of the key pathways to finding truth and meaning in life. In my history class, I learned about one of our Arlington Street Church ancestors, Horace Mann. Mann famously said, education then beyond all other devices of human origin is the great equalizer of men. The great equalizer. In a time when our world and our country feel overwhelmingly unequal, does education have the power to equalize? This morning, I hope you might indulge me with the opportunity to answer the exam question I most wanted my professor to ask me. This isn't a question for which I feel I have a perfect A grade answer. Instead, it is the question that I feel is most present in my heart and mind in this moment when I feel myself stuck between the passions of our ancestors and my own lived experiences. The question. Name an event in Unitarian or Universalist history that shaped the development of the United States and explain the significance of that event. My answer, Horace Mann's arrival in Boston in 1832. 
After the death of his wife Charlotte, the grief-stricken Horace Mann left his home in Dedham and moved to Boston. On his arrival, Mann moved into a boarding house inhabited by many Unitarians. One of those inhabitants was a woman named Elizabeth Palmer Peabody. Despite rampant sexism in the 19th century, Peabody and her two sisters, Mary and Sophia, were sought out by many of Boston's most elite for their intelligence and their influence. For years, these remarkable sisters were members of this congregation when we were then meeting at our location on Federal Street and when we were led by the father of American Unitarianism himself, Reverend William Ellery Channing. Elizabeth Peabody was so respected by Channing that every Saturday he would test his sermons on her while they walked around the Boston Common. Peabody sensed that, like her, man might find some solace in Channing's sermons. She invited him to join her and her sister for the Easter service in the spring of 1834. Sitting in the Peabody pew that morning, man felt as though Channing's sermon spoke directly to his suffering after losing Charlotte. He resolved to become a member of Channing's church and to befriend the minister. What is possible when a liberal religious leader and a well-respected politician become friends? In the case of Mann and Channing, the answer was universal free public education. Decades before that Easter service, Channing, Peabody, and a number of other Boston Unitarians had been working to expand the reaches of education to underprivileged citizens in Boston. In 1811, Channing and his friends created the Sunday School Society. Not to be confused with our religious education programs today, the Sunday School Society worked to educate children who worked in textile mills. Sundays were the children's only day off, and therefore the only day when they could attend classes. In a time when only white Protestant males who could afford tuition were educated, our ancestors had to fight for public education. While a member of Federal Street Church, Horace served as a state senator and as the first secretary to the Massachusetts Board of Education. Inspired by Channing and his own Unitarian principles, man increased funding available to schools, improved preparation and support for teachers, and advocated for compassionate discipline in the classroom. For our ancestors, there was a sincere hope that public education was the key to creating a more moral and peaceful society. Mann, Peabody, and Channing believed that education had the power to end slavery, child labor, and other oppressive institutions of their time. They believed, as many of us do today, that the responsible search for truth and meaning is an essential human right. Earlier, that I met, earlier I mentioned that in order to achieve an A on my oral exam, I would need to follow the rubric provided by my professor. It's one thing to know the history and it's another to be able to interpret it and find its relevance to our lives today. The ancestors of this congregation added the religious, financial, and political backing needed to promote free education in the United States. But did it prove to be the great equalizer? If you benefited from an at least satisfactory education at one of our public schools, you know the unfortunate answer is no. 
Education did not solve our greatest problems. Instead, public schools have been and continue to be the stage on which some of our nation's greatest inequalities have played out. Before the end of the 19th century, the United States Supreme Court confirmed that it was constitutional to segregate schools based on race if the schools were determined to be equal. Education was not equalizing force then, or when schools began to desegregate in the 1950s, or today, when the best schools still tend to be in the wealthiest neighborhoods. Education does not feel equal when it is impossible for so many young people to get a college degree without enlisting in the military or taking on staggering student loan debt. Education is not equal when it is standardized in ways that exclude students with disabilities or different learning styles. I witnessed inequalities during my own time in school. I saw teachers give up on students who were deemed complicated or difficult. Students who struggled with learning differences or poverty or substance abuse disappeared and seemed forgotten by graduation day. At my high school, there was a lawsuit when it came to light that students of color were the only recipients of random drug tests. In college, I sat in seminars where male students dominated every conversation, and professors became angry whenever a student found something in their lectures offensive. I did not see a universal or gender-neutral bathroom until my second year of divinity school. As Unitarian Universalists, the descendants of Horace Mann, Elizabeth Palmer Peabody, and William Ellery Channing, I don't want to give up on the belief that education can be one of the most concrete pathways to a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. But I also acknowledge that American schools are far from equal. The poet Adrian Rich writes, I have cast my lot with those who age after age perversely with no extraordinary power reconstitute the world. With great respect for our ancestors, I have given up on the idea of education being the great equalizer. Instead, I cast my lot with those who see the brokenness of Horace Mann's education system and commit to building something new and beautiful out of the rubble. Some of the most courageous and justice-seeking people I know are teachers. One of those teachers is a man I do not know personally, but who also graduated from a master's program this past May. Donovan Livingston was chosen by his peers to be the commencement speaker at the Harvard University Graduate School of Education. He began his poetic address with that familiar quote from Horace Mann. Education then, beyond all other devices of human origin, is the great equalizer. Livingston's address is a reflection on his experiences as a young black man growing up and then later teaching in the American education system. Livingston is also a very talented spoken word poet. I am not a talented spoken word poet, and my experience as a white woman in the American education system is not the same as Livingston's. 
but I think it is important to have his words repeated to Horace Mann's congregation. Here is Livingston. I was in the seventh grade when Ms. Parker told me, Donovan, we can put your excess energy to good use. And she introduced me to the sound of my own voice. She gave me a stage, a platform. She told me that our stories are ladders that make it easier for us to touch the stars. So climb and grab them. Keep climbing, grab them. Spill your emotions in the Big Dipper and pour out your soul. Light up the world with your luminous allure. To educate requires Galileo-like patience. Today, when I look at my students in the eyes, all I see are constellations. If you take the time to connect the dots, you can plot the true shape of their genius. Shining in their darkest hour, I look each of my students in their eyes and I see the same light that aligned Orion's belt and the Great Pyramids of Giza. I see the same twinkle that guided Harriet to freedom. I see them. Beneath their masks and mischief exists an authentic frustration, an enslavement to your standardized assessments. At the core, none of us were meant to be common. We were born to be comets, darting across space and time, leaving our mark as we crash into everything. A crater is a reminder that something amazing happened here, an indelible impact that shook up the world are we not astronomers looking for the next shooting star? I teach in hopes of turning content into rocket ships, tribulations into telescopes, so a child can see their potential from right where they stand. And injustice is telling them they are stars without acknowledging the night that surrounds them. And justice is telling them education is the key while you continue to change the locks. Education is no equalizer. Rather, it is the sleep that precedes the American dream. So wake up, wake up, lift your voices until you've patched every hole in a child's broken sky. Wake up every child so they know their celestial potential. I've been a black hole in a classroom for far too long, absorbing everything without allowing my light to escape but those days are done. I belong among the stars. And so do you. And so do they. Together, we can inspire galaxies of greatness for generations to come. No, sky is not the limit. It is only the beginning. Lift off. I'm not going back to school this September. But that doesn't mean I stop caring. I don't want my master's degree to be a secret key to elite opportunities. I want my degree to be the alarm clock that wakes me up every day to the celestial potential in every child, every person, and to my own potential. Our ancestors might have been looking for an easy way out when they decided that education was the great equalizer. I don't blame them. It would be a great relief to have a great equalizer. 
Nevertheless, remember, remembering the ways that they dedicated their careers and their lives to the promotion of a truly free search for truth and meaning for everyone is remarkable. It inspired the people who sat in the pews with them then, and it inspires me today. I want to cast my lot with teachers like Donovan Livingston. I want to let go of the idea of a great equalizer and instead to speaking, committing to speaking up when I see inequality. I want to help liberate learning from the confines of the education system. Because there is something that happens in the moments we are learning and the times we are teaching that is essential to justice making. It is not formulaic. You can't just go to one school or take one class or read one book and have it down. It's not a test you can pass one time and be done with. You have to continually look for the questions in the pages of your own narrative and be brave enough to seek the answers. We must be lifelong learners who don't hoard knowledge in a private library, but share it eagerly with love to all we meet. Every day is full of oral examinations when our faith is tested. And we don't always get an A. We miss the historical summary or the present implications. Sometimes we are the ones evaluating the answers and we have the choice to do so with compassion and grace. This back to school season, we are all students. We might even be teachers. There may not be a great equalizer, but as Livingston says, this is only the beginning. We can inspire galaxies of greatness for generations to come. May it be so. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.